Well, uh, here we are at the last Spring One Spring Spring One platform tour. Spring One tour platform. That's right. Spring One tour. Spring tour. Spring tour. Let's yeah. just call it that. <laughs> that sounds that sounds almost French. Up here in Toronto, the last one of the year. I think we I think we're gonna be tour back in spring. Toronto uh, Toronto in December. We need to start coming here in like June. In June. <laughs> Nothing against you know December in Toronto. I'm a Minnesotan. Yeah, so yeah. This, this is normal for me. I'm I'm actually north of. I live north of where we are right now. Yeah, which I always find rather ironic. Thank you, curve of the earth. Yeah, it's fun coming here. You realize that that the the cold could kill you. It can. If you weren't, yes. if you weren't protecting if yourself. If you're not careful. Well, at least now, now as a former Texan, uh-huh. as now you know you're not a Texan really anymore. Or are you once a Texan, always a Texan? I guess so. I'm not sure. Yeah. But in, in Minnesota and uh-huh. places where we get that kind of snow and cold, uh-huh. you, you have to, or you're supposed to, when you go on a road trip, you, you have to put warm stuff in your car. You know? Oh, so in you case usually, you get Because you might get stranded, you have a wreck, yeah. you, know, and you might be there for a yeah, little yeah. while. So you put a couple sleeping bags, uh-huh. you know, some boots, some hats, mittens, you know, maybe even some kind of non-perishable food item. Yeah. And, and of some course, power bars. Little, you got to have a little something, a little uh-huh. something, something. Some people, even, some people even put um, cat litter in their car, and that serves dual purpose. It gives you a little extra weight, and then uh-huh. if you do get in a slippery situation, you can pour the cat litter down, and then you get traction. Oh, my you, first thought, which I realized was incorrect, is like if you have your cats with you, they still Right, if you bring food. your cat, well, the cats will help keep you warm. <laughs> See, you've heard of Three Dog Night. Uh-huh. There's like the five cat road trip. Five cat road trip. Right, just in case. One just for each shoe. I exactly, got to keep warm, and then you have a spare. Get a rotate in and out. Yeah, yeah, it's cold here. It's a little and it, was, it was snowing when I came in here, and I I'm so sorry. I hadn't seen snow in a long time. I, I was thinking I, I went I went skiing in New Mexico last year. Wow! But I think that was fake snow. Oh, could be. You, I mean, not fake snow, but you know, generated, generated, snow. user right, generated right. snow. <laughs> snow as a service. That's right. That's right. Well, well. So you you just gave uh, uh, a talk, your talk, going over like uh, how you architecturally think through like choosing the various layers of the stack and the, right. the popular stuff nowadays of, you know, your Kubernetes and your serverless and your functions and, and even Knative. Absolutely. Which I'm excited to, to talk about. We'll see we'll see what, what your scoop on it is. And I was thinking, now now we both travel a lot. We do. Right? And I think it's, all, at least for me, it's always instructive to have, like, uh, an example application that isn't just like a, uh, like a fortune-telling app. Right? A travel app because that requires it's 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 it requires a little more imagination sure. to figure out how this is is related. But I thought of something that I think was it this past year probably both of us experienced, and that is let's just say theoretically two giant hotel chains <laughs> they they merge together and they have different ways of tracking what your member number is, right? And so somewhere somewhere in this process where you are in in what seemed like eventually became, but in this theoretic. Hypothetical. That you would basically sign in, and you would sign into both accounts, and it would magically merge them together. All sorts of things were happening. But I was thinking of one little maybe serverless function thing, is at some point in this theoretic architecture, there was this point where you had the old number and the new number, and it called out to something else that said, these are now the same number. Now, there's a footnote that... For whatever reason, in this theoretic example, some month later, they came up with the fix that you would get a brand new number. Of course. It, even though you previously you could choose to keep one of your numbers, which I thought was kind of a quaint thing. Like, are you right. that attached to a number? I guess well, Who wouldn't a, be attached to a random <laughs> yeah. multi-digit number they were assigned I guess, by a large corporation? I guess if you had it memorized, it could be handy. But still, and I know people who did. It's kind of kind of weird. Anyway, so... Let's let's pick this one thing sure. that we've got. We're merging these two hotels together, and in their loyalty program, you you uh, you know Joe and Jane hotel stayer <laughs> are, are going to now have one number, 
Yep. And you call out to a function that says these two numbers used to exist, and now it's this one number. Now, let's not get too wrapped up in what what the logic of that is. Sure. But, but the after calling this thing, which is assume is simple, you now have one number, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, so then here we are. It's snowing on the ground. Now you don't have to do this first part. We we build a building, a data center, and then we also we don't need to discuss this part. You call up our good friends at Dell, and they bring in a bunch, a whole of, bunch of racks hardware and hardware. And then and then uh, and then it's just sitting there. Someone's plugged it in. Now what happens? Right. Well, so one of the things that that I was thinking of as we were walking through this completely hypothetical example, uh-huh. one of the things one might need to do in that is to figure out: Is our data really the same? Are we really talking about the same person? Right. Because you could have multiple people living at the same address that are not, in fact, the same instance of using the same number, even sometimes. Uh huh. Uh huh. One of the things that that. I hypothetically learned during this experience was that in one system, my first name was Nate, uh-huh. and in another system, my first name was Nathaniel. Oh, right, right, right. And so I went in and linked my accounts. I said these two accounts are linked. Yeah. And then at some point, and and who knows how they did this, I'm sure some batch run went through and actually yeah. did a comparison between these and said, whoa, uh-huh. mismatch. Yeah. Kick this out. And my guess is, you know, if we're thinking about this architecturally, a function... Uh-huh. Could then have been called to say, "Here's a list of name mismatches. Please go retrieve from their account information, their preference for contact, yes. and contact them in their preferred way to tell them." See, that that's an even simpler one. Your accounts do right, not, right, in right. fact, match. Right. And now we have unlinked your accounts. Yeah. Do they do they want a, a phone call, an email, yes. singing courier? Yes. And whatever. so you probably have a function that says, "Well, go tell me what their contact preference is." Right. Right. And then that tells another function. Okay, Mr. Cote, his preference is this. Now, please go send Cote an email or a text message or a phone call right, to right, say right. You're, there's something we can't discern here. They don't match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, where it gets kind of frustrating from a consumer experience standpoint is then you get that email or text message or phone call, and you're like, great, what doesn't match? Uh-huh. Oh, we don't know. Yeah. We can't actually tell you that because I can't actually look at both systems because I work for this side of the house, not that side of in the this, house. In this theoretic example, it sounds like you and I had to deal with a lot of crap. Theoretically, <laughs> I may have had that exact scenario happen uh-huh. to me, and I got not one but two pings, one from each side saying it didn't match. But, of yeah. course, neither of them could tell me what didn't actually match. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was that was interesting. But, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've long since learned that the, the worst if, – if you think integration is easy – you should try these kinds of projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even though you would think like hotel is hotel is hotel, it must all be the same information. Yeah. Don't we all have the same business object model? Oh, no. No, we do not. You know, and in this hypothetical example, perhaps one hotel chain had a concept of stays in addition to nights, whereas the other one only cared about nights. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now all of a sudden we have a very different way yeah. of discerning what your status level might yeah. be. And, I, you know, I think it's handy to have like a software background in an instance like this. It because does. Because while it may be frustrating, you can understand We're it more forgiving. Well. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, is, it is like an almost – I remember – I well, in the, my theoretical life, I, I, I remember going through that and then just, just having more uh, more compassion than anything else. Correct. Like, this, this, is a, this is a difficult problem. They are. And uh, I bet until it catastrophically fails, it's not like you get support for solving right. it, right? Right, like it just It just seems like it'll be easy. But the, it, is a, it, is a, it is a hard problem, and, and uh, yeah, it's too bad. I see it a lot with airlines, too. I'm oh, sure yeah, you've yeah, had this experience. Yeah. This actually recently happened to me a few weeks ago. I was flying on what, from my standpoint, was my mainline carrier, Delta. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, well, it happened to be a KLM-branded flight. Uh-huh. So Delta can't change my seats because they don't have access to KLM's 
oh, yeah. seating system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had another flight on another KLM subsidiary. And again, KLM doesn't have access to those systems, so they can't change my seats. You have to go talk to their desk. Yeah. It's like, but, but from my standpoint, I just booked a ticket on my mainline airline, but not really because partners. And yeah. And you're like, can't someone please integrate your systems? Yeah, that, that, is, that is weird. There should at least be a human, like a meatware integration, where they have a secret phone number they call. And it's Wouldn't like, that be nice? And it's like, hey, it's so-and-so at this desk. Can you uh, type something for me? I did, I did have an experience kind of like that once. I was uh, trying to get on an airplane to, on some international trip for several years ago, and I gave the, the, disc, the counter my, my passport, and they typed in a bunch of stuff. And they always seem to type in a lot of things. Which I'm always amazed at. Every time you ever interact with a travel system, yeah. there's a lot of typing going on. If you ever glance behind the screen, they're almost always using some kind of a mainframe system. There's yeah, some yeah, emulator yeah. that they're dealing it's with. It's like an old BBS. Totally. It's, yeah. it's stunning, honestly. And a lot of typing, a lot of typing. Couldn't give me my ticket. You know, Picked up the phone. Three other agents come over, and there's all sorts of clickety-clickety-clacking. And, and I'm like watching my watch going, hey, i, I got to go through security here. You know, We're yeah. getting closer and closer and closer to takeoff. And so finally, she like takes my passport and like walks away. I'm like, well, this doesn't sound good. Uh-huh. I didn't get her name. I didn't know where she was going. And eventually she comes back, and she called, like, Ryan. I don't know, I'm making up a name. But uh-huh. she called a person, and, like, literally a minute and a half later, out comes my ticket. I assume Ryan, like, literally went into the database and, like, flipped a bit or something. Yeah, that's And that, right. like, Ryan must be the guy they call when nothing else works. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Ryan probably has, like, never bought lunch in his life because everyone's like, thank God for Ryan because, you know, he knows how to write a SQL query, you know, that he probably shouldn't even be able to do, but uh-huh. he did. Yeah. You know, I've seen that before where customers actually had access to the production databases and yeah, yeah. made changes directly See, and that's, that's a that's a, that's a perfect return to our exercise here. We now, always come back around and now. Now let me. I'll, I'm an architect. I'll, I'll de-absurdify it a little bit. Like, Please, you know, like you don't necessarily need to worry about the bare metal stuff. But, but let's and like let's look at that whole application. Like, so first of all, I'm going to install Kubernetes, right? Sure. Like what? And and then what? What, 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 cool do, I, what do I need using. to figure out to do that? Like as as the uh, the person in charge of which one did we choose? I want to figure out how how to contact you to reconcile your sure, account. Sure. Sure. Well, so again, this that might be far too fine-grained for an abstraction like Kubernetes. You know, because as soon as we start to talk Kubernetes, well, okay, we've got some kind of a container we're running on top of that. Right, Do we right. really even need a container? Do we want to maintain a container for what might be a 12-line bit of code to go out to a database and pull back some information? You know, so again, that might be where we think about, well, how would we run that function? Right. You know, now, we have lots of different options today, uh, both on-prem and in the cloud. I mean, everybody's got an abstraction around functions. You, know, you mentioned Knative earlier. You know, that's a f- very new sort of agnostic FAS you know, coming out of Google, and you know, we've contributed yeah, to it yeah. as have others. You know, and, of course, we've got Riff layered on top of that as well. And you know, the goals are all fundamentally the same. How do we give you a higher level of abstraction over that, yeah, yeah. giving you more control? Over some of the interesting bits that go into functions. Yeah. You know? well, well, let me let me ask you this one when along those lines, sort of fundamental or something is like so. So our system that looks up how to contact you. Yep. How do we decide not to put that into just like the reconciling code somewhere? Like, how are we going to decide to separate it or not separate it? Yeah. Well, a lot of that's the art of what we do. You know, it's kind of looking at it and saying, is does this stand alone on its own? Is it its own little piece? Is it something we want to reuse in other places? You know, when I think about contacting you, that seems like something I might have to do in multiple different contexts. You know, it might just be uh, there's a problem with your reservation. It might be to tell you your key is ready or to tell you 
you yeah. got an upgrade or whatever. And so I probably want to use that in more than just one just this reconciliation of accounts. Right, right. What, what your preferred contact information Right, is. so I might yeah. want to have that be a more standalone piece that I can leverage and use and, and then make it simpler for me to reuse it in other contexts. Right. You know, so that's a huge part of it. Is this is this a nugget that I can easily plug in somewhere else to be valuable to me or not? And do you, do you, think, do you think with reuse, people value, maybe they value them the same, but like, are they valuing the uh, economic efficiency of not repeating yourself, as they used to say? <laughs> or is it the value of having a consistent way of doing something. I hope it's both because we'd like consistency. Nothing's quite as irritating as well when you call this function, you have to give it these 3 bits and That's the same right. function that does the same thing needs 4 bits. I mean, I can't remember the order, but they're different. And even worse if they return different things. Of course. Yeah, one gives you back this, one gives you back that. Uh-huh. That's no fun. And then obviously there's the economic side of it is I don't have to rewrite your logic. If right, right, right. Wrote and that then test the once. code and all that kind right. of Right, and then that's the other part of this we don't always appreciate is the fact that, well, if this is something we've reused tens of millions of times, we've probably worked out a lot of the bugs, I would hope. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so now we know we have this very stable, repeatable thing that does exactly what we think it does, and it is tested, battle-hardened, as you right. will. Right. So, so, that, so then, let's see. So we have, we have a simple uh, preferred contact information thing, right? And, and just for our, our purpose, we'll assume it's going to be containerized. I don't sure. know. I don't know what else it would be. I, I, guess, I guess you could run it in a VM or on physical Linux somewhere. Menu. Could yeah right right I'm I'm just kind of eliminating things but nowadays one one would probably write it in a container, chances are right, uh, and so so I guess the first thing would be like I'm going to build a container that has has uh, you know whatever baseline OS I have and it has this. Uh, I don't know what, what what would it be inside of there. Well, your technology stack. Yeah. So yeah. presumably, I mean, I'm, I'm a longtime Java guy. That's where I've written most of my code. So I'd probably reach for something in the Java space. I'm kind of a fan of Spring Boot these days because it takes away a lot of the boilerplate that I've had to do throughout mm-hmm. my career. And so you're probably going to start with some kind of an image that has a base level of Java. It's got your Spring Boot bits, and then here's my application bits, and now here you go. Everything's sitting in that box, and away we we go. Now. The interesting challenge in a lot of organizations is how do we govern what goes in that box? How right. do we get to an agreement on this is the level of Java we want to be at? This is the, you know, we all want to be at Spring Boot level this. We want to be on this operating system with this patch. And that's where a lot of the challenge, I think, comes in in many organizations is trying to govern that and make sure that we don't have 19 different ways of doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like in a lot of companies that Docker image growth explodes. You know, talk about a may a thousand flowers bloom. You know, may there be a thousand Docker containers that are all just slightly different from one another. You know, and oh hey now we have to try to rev some of that. What does that look like? Right, right. And and then and then the basic mechanisms that all good points. And then the basic mechanism of getting to that is I guess is gonna be through basically ports on on your your image when it's run the container when it's running, right? And and you're going to tell your Spring Boot app in there, or whatever app, like, listen to this port, and this is going to send in a number. Or, or not, uh, it's going to send in a number. Let's just say that's your ID. And then what you're going to do is, and we'll just ignore this for now, you're going to somehow look up in a database or something what they're Yeah, those databases is. are pesky. Yeah, There's yeah, always, yeah. always data somewhere, And, and, and that, that'll be another thing that, that if you're doing this all on your own, you'll have to figure out when your container boots up or whatever, how does it get a handle I don't mean that literally. How does it get connected? To How do I database? connect to the database? Right, right. What does that look like? Right. And, and then, and then, so then the third thing will be like, and I guess depending on how you do it, but you're going to need to return what this value is, and whether it's synchronous or asynchronous, 
will be another annoyance layer. It's probably Kafka in here somewhere, just because. That's why right. Not? But you've got you've got at least like two things going on. Like there's a thing that comes in and asks you a question, and then it has to wait around if it's synchronous and blocking or whatever the kids call it nowadays. Uh, before and then and then the second thing you're going to talk to a database to find that hey you like email. And then that thing's like sitting around in the waiting room like Beetlejuice waiting. And then finally you, you reply back to it and you're like, boom, this email. And then it runs off. And then that container is done with its job at the moment, right? See, so, you know, the beauty to me of what functions give us is the fact that they can spin up and spin down. Yeah, yeah. And because something like this might be sporadic, you know, it might not have a real predictable curve to it. You know, if you're a retail business, you know that you're going to get a lot of sales around the holidays. Uh-huh. Uh, I spent a bunch of my career in insurance, and so you've got very predictable times of year where there's going to be renewals. And so oh, you can yeah, kind of yeah. build around that. And yeah. then you look at something like this, it's probably a lot more spiky when it comes to when do we need to contact you. you know. And, and so you think about, well, let's say you went in and updated your address. Let's say you moved, and so you went in and changed your address. Well, you're, you're going to get a contact about that as well. And so that's another one of those things that will happen sporadically. And so to me, again, another nice use of a function that we can scale it up when you move. You go in, you change your account. Some number of seconds or minutes later, you get that ping, right? And doesn't doesn't require an immediate response, right? And so know? and so if there's what if so, just as a spoiler alert, eventually <laughs> we get to it should be a function. <laughs> there's <laughs> right? always a function in there somewhere. Now. Or, or, or you know, it, sh- it should be a service. It just functions all the way down. But but if, saying, if we say. weren't doing that, basically you would have created this container with the code that does the two things, right? Right. Uh, that connects. And it's to the probably going to be sitting around idle a lot. Right. Right. And 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 then and then you need to figure out like so when does that run? How many of them do I need running? Yep. And then how am I going to tell it how to connect to a database? And then how do I tell other things how to get to this thing? Right. I guess your sort of registry and finding stuff. Sure. And so. So are those things that like uh, like are defined for you in most infrastructure things, or do most people like whether it's a good idea or not? Do most people like bring all of that stuff and set it up on their own? Like, how do you manage on, all that? It depends stuff? on how, how we're trying to do this, you know. And so this is where we start getting again these different levels of abstraction. You know, if if we're coarser grain, you know, if we're at that IaaS level, I got to manage all this, and I'm responsible for figuring all these things out, putting all these moving parts in. You know, as we keep kind of moving up the hierarchy, fewer and fewer of those things become my responsibility. Right. You know, we go all the way up to a serverless environment. The serverless platform I'm using, whether that's on a public cloud provider, whether that's an open source thing like Knative, Riff, etc., that's managing the oh, there's a lot of lag here. Let me create more instances of the container. Yeah. Let me. It knows how to talk to your service bus, your queue, whatever it is you're talking to as I slide back down to your example, if I try to do this as an application, well, I have to talk to the queue. I have to figure out how to do that. I probably have to manually say I want three of these to be in existence at all time. And, and you know, with some of our platforms are good enough to say, hey, there's lag here. Let's add two more. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's more for me to manage, more for me to worry about than, you know, if we keep trying to go up. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. So, so then, I mean, just to state, as, as I'm doing here, just to state the obvious absurd thing, if you have, let's say, a distributed application driven by microservices, <laughs> like these little functions. That's what all the kids want. Like, like normally if you have a, a single process traditional application, you basically don't need to worry about, like, routing things around. No, or yeah, finding you do things. here. It's all just sort of, like, connected together in yep. your code. And you might have some configuration, but it basically you're not sort of, like, looking for that other object instance. Right. It's just, like, there. Whereas once you introduce a microservices thing, you re... You, I guess maybe reintroduce. I don't know. You introduce this new notion of like, how do I find all my friends? Yep. Right. And and once I find all my friends, how do I connect to them? And, right. And what do I do with them? And right. so, 
uh, one, if, if you just were relying on like a, something like a Kubernetes, like it doesn't really do that stuff for you, right? There's other things that you layer on top of Kubernetes to handle, I don't know, what do people call service that Service registry, nowadays? service discovery. A, a service mesh or... <laughs> People, do people say that anymore? Yeah, no, no, yeah. Service yeah, meshes. fabric, fabric. fabric I haven't heard fabric in a long time. Well, I think I think they're now mesh now. So oh, they're mesh, right? Okay. I don't know. Five G. I, I do, I do, yeah. I I do. Having been in this industry longer than I'll admit, it is amazing to me how often we rename an existing thing and call it something new, and then try to pretend that no one's ever done anything like this ever before. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, but it's just like this other thing. We just call it this now instead. Right. You know, and, 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 then, and then so the reason you would go through this suffering in our example, or not suffering, this additional stuff, is as you were kind of saying, you have this, this service that tells you your preferred way to be contacted, and there's more than one piece of software that wants to use it. Right. Right? And, and then I guess, I mean, we won't go down this path too much. You wouldn't put your entire piece of uh, hotel running software in one piece of software. I hope not. <laughs> right. I hope so, not. so you do need it to be a separate service somewhere. That's going to be the, the, the best way of running it. So, so you have that set up. So, okay. So let's say that you don't want to, uh, I mean, how, how do you, what would you do so you don't have to worry about all this, like, service registry routing stuff? Like, is that, is that do I go, like, download the Knative and I, and I build something for that? Or, well, or, or is that the wrong thing I'm nah. looking at? Well, so, again, this is where we start getting into, do we have good platforms that let us do this? You know, this is where we get into some of the service discovery things. And some of the stuff's built in the spring. Some of the stuff we can get from providers. We can get it from PCF, various places. Yeah, so that's part of it is understanding, like, what are all these pieces? What goes together? How do I want to make this as easy to operate and as easy for my, my app developers to yeah, use? Yeah. And what does that look like for us? Right. You know, but I, I think what, you know, the, the message that, that I'm really always trying to get across to people is we've got all these common concerns and issues that we need to deal with. And what does that look like? How do we do that in a way that's as simple as possible? We don't want to have a million different ways of finding our services. You know, right, we don't right. really want to be as consistent as possible you know, so that we can get people to use the same thing. And, again, we have confidence in it. We know it works. It's reliable. You know, but the, the other part of this that I'm always a little cautious on is we're so quick. And you brought up this good point that we used to have the monolith, and now we're moving to these more distributed systems. And we do that for good reasons. You know, we can scale it independently. We can deploy them independently. But we pay some tax to get that. There's added complexity because, to your point, we have to go find them. Where are they? They're going to move because they get destroyed and recreated or we right, scale right. up, scale down. So it's not always going to be in the same place. Now it's harder to log. i got to push that out to a stream and then deal with it later. If we're not getting the benefits out of that distributed system, we shouldn't be paying the complexity price to get them. Right, and yet a lot of people are just like, nope, I'm going to do everything as microservices and functions because I read a white paper, or I hear that such and such a company is doing it, and there go I need to do it. It's like, no, no, they're just tools. Use the right tools to solve the problems. Right, right, right. You, you know, I mean, I, I had someone say to me a month or so ago, I'm going to refactor my entire application as a set of functions. That's probably not a good idea. Right, right. Are there things within your application that might be fantastic as functions? Absolutely. Probably not literally your entire application. You know that seems fairly unlikely. There, there is a small set of apps that that would apply to. Again, statistically, probably not yours. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so which of these tools is the right one to solve the problem? So, so, the, so then, speaking of tools, to, to move my thing out of the the the, the Columbo esque way of saying putting it, like so, what 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 is Knative? How would that start to fit into here? Because so that's that's a serverless building. It is. It, it's it's like a, I've an, gone back an agnostic into mode now. FAS layer. Uh-huh. 
so that you don't have to worry about, okay, I want to run it on-prem, I want to run it on my laptop, I want to run it in a public cloud provider and not be stuck with their abstraction. And so if, if you're going to use the raw public cloud provider, you have to write it the way they want it. You have to, you're, right. you're kind of stuck in their model. And like Lambda or, or whatever, yeah. uh, whatever and, Microsoft. And, and they're great. I'm not, I'm not trying to bash on them. You know, I've, I've done a bit with Lambda. It's good stuff. You know, there, there's cool things there. Uh, and you can tie into a lot of other things very easily because of that. It's very integrated with other, other offerings from the, the public cloud providers. But either tactically or strategically, we might not want to be so tightly tied to one provider. Right, we might right. want to have the flexibility to say, you know what, we're renegotiating our deal, so we're going to start moving some of those workloads to another provider as leverage in that negotiation. Or we may decide, hey, they have a better XYZ, we're going to go use theirs instead of this one. And so we probably don't really want to be tied in. You know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the yeah so someone was explaining, like I always get all... Uh I don't know, persnickety about lock-in or something. Sure. Because I always wonder, like, when does that actually, how often does that actually come into play? And then usually it seems to mean I just want to stop paying this vendor. <laughs> but, but it, which, which, is, which is totally fine. And it does happen, yeah, let's yeah, be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but someone was going over something interesting on, on this point, which, was, uh, which I'll make an analogy for, is like, well, you're, it's not necessarily, you're locking into yourself, but like you're given the opportunity when you add a layer of abstraction to customize it sure. how you want to use it, including limiting the use of stuff you don't want. Right. And, and uh, you know, I think analogously is the whole like spring framework of like, well, why do you need this whole other framework, right? And, and you know, on the one hand, historically, spring people, people could be like, because then you're not locked into the implementation, which I'm waving my hands here, which is fine. But I think more of what's interesting about layering that on top of the default Java is like, I just like it this way better, right? And I can, right. I can customize how these things hook, to, hook together. So you might similarly build your own sort of like, for your organization, your own sort of like serverless function thing on top of what they have available. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, so to your point, I always remember building apps with like that, that database layer, and we always yes. said, well, this way we can change our database later if we want <laughs> exactly. to. Exactly, right. To which no one has ever actually changed their database, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That's, that's like the least likely thing to do. But there's still good reasons to have that there, though, you know, because to your point, it, it gives you a different abstraction to work with. You're not tied down to some of the things that that particular database right. might ask you to do, you know, and it is good to have that layer of indirection. Now, I've seen that a lot with I'm calling a third-party thing. You put that layer there. Sometimes it's to adapt the interface because you mm, don't yeah. want to call it their way. You want to call it your way. You want to pass a different set of information. Right, 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 right. Maybe there's something that gets passed in every time you call it. You don't want every single consumer to have to know that. You can sort of add that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's a lot of good reasons to do that kind of work. And, and so it's the same kind of thing here where you may not want to be stuck with the abstraction that a given public cloud provider provides you. Yeah. Well, go ahead here, use this one, and then you have the option to move it to wherever it makes sense for you. Right. So that makes sense. So then, so then to summarize, basically Knative is, is a framework for building a serverless layer. Sure. And, and the serverless layer being basically like, I have these little functions, these little components, yep. and uh, they do something discreet. Super mini microservices or something. Yeah, like whatever, whatever, whatever granularity you think you should be doing, according to your council of elders or whatever. And, and uh, the uh, enterprise architects. That's right. And and then, but then you need to basically. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm hesitating because I'm trying not to use certain words like orchestration and things. But you need a way of, of each of these components being able to find each other right. and work with each other and basically operate the with the same ease that they would if it was all a monolith in process in memory thing. Or you were using one of the public cloud providers abstractions. Right. So that's a lot of what's being then provided with these exactly. layers like Knative and, and then, Riff. And then, so I assume because it's Knative instead of 
whatever else native, basically it runs on top of Kubernetes. Of course it does. Right. So it's basically a framework for if you're running on Kubernetes and you want to create a serverless framework. Right. Now, so is that... Run if I, your function on top, of, if, on top of Kubernetes. If, I, if I'm this theoretic hotel chain, like, does that mean I, my, some development team is going to take Knative and build a thing on top and build my serverless framework? So your, your Kubernetes Knative environment is probably going to be run by your operations people. Ah, right. And it's going to be your developers writing the function. And then however you want to get that into that environment, probably through your CI/CD pipeline, fingers crossed, I hope, uh-huh. that actually gets it into that environment that's maintained by your operators. Right. And so that would be the way I'd look at it. And so, so part of the beauty of Knative, Rift, et cetera, is the idea that, okay, you've got Kubernetes. You've decided that's your, your baseline. So if you've got some stuff running in containers on top of Kubernetes that they're orchestrating, you want to add some functions into the mix, well, now you can run that on that same base platform and call them and talk to each other and, and life is good and gives your developers another abstraction. So I can write that as a function if that makes sense. I don't have to shove it into a Docker container or whatever you're using for this 15-line thing to look up your preferred contact. Right, right, right. You know, so now I can write that as it, as it should be, just this simple little baby function and run it and not worry about it. Now, now is, so is Knative... Because I, I always get, I, I've discovered over the years that many of these wondrous layers of abstraction are actually just a series of like APIs and interfaces. Yeah, and then, and then, and then eventually, like, there's some code that actually does something. Right. And so, like, where does Knative fit on that spectrum of like right. this is just an API versus like, oh, you actually wanted to do something that's over here in the VIP room. Yeah. And, it's and so, like, <laughs> like that the VIP room. Like, like there's how, bottle service. I how how much? I mean, is Knative like something I can just like download and install? Install, or is it more of like a thing I need to like implement or buy it, from a vendor or like where does it all? How's well, that I mean, out? I think all of the above, right? I mean, you could do it in multiple ways. So, I mean, I, I spun up a GKE cluster for this demo I did this morning, and yeah. Knative is installed on top of that, and then Rift is installed on top of that. You know, and so from my standpoint, I installed that on a Kubernetes cluster. Certainly, you can buy right. that if right. you wish. Um, but basically, if I get Knative and I have a Kubernetes cluster. I can install that thing that I got on, I don't know what they call it, vanilla Knative. I can, I can install <laughs> the Knative, the most very recent. very new. The let most me, recent blessed version on very top Very new. Of, oh, let, sure, let me sure. stress that. This is yeah, alpha yeah, yeah. software. Now, we, 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 let's not Came go down like the, to what version it is. I mean, let's just assume it's, this is the, the vision. It's sure. like I can just, I download it from, I guess, GitHub, right? I pull it down from there. And, Whole world's and, on GitHub. And I build it, and then I'm like, all right, uh... Kubernetes install. So here, here's your and environment, then, and then and then boom, I'm done. Like like, and and I, I don't mean this in a facetious way, but like I have a serverless uh, setup that I could start using. You you have an environment within which you can run your functions, right. and then and then and then like so, what are the like core things? So now I'm back to the developer. So what's Knative giving you? Yeah yeah yeah. Now so, I'm back to that developer who like I have this code. I have a I've got yes. a Spring Boot application. Yes. Now what do I do? So a huge part of what Knative is trying to give you is like that build step. What does it yeah. mean to go from my code to the environment? And that might be a build pack. That might be a Docker image. And again, we're trying to get abstracted away from that because I don't necessarily want every one of my developers building their own Docker image. You know, again, we get to that point where may a thousand Docker images bloom. Well, that's probably not what I want. As if I put on my enterprise architect hat, you know, I may want more consistency, some governance around what we're doing. What are we all at similar levels? You know, you don't want a thousand different ways to run a you know a Java function, for instance. Sure. 
So what we're trying to get to is a point where my developer, again, is just focused on writing the code. How do I go look up your preference? Uh-huh. And then getting that in an image, all that stuff, Knative can help me do that. So it, it, it's got a build step to actually build that, take my code, put it into the environment. There's the eventing part, which is how it actually talks to the yeah. underlying system. You know, I need to... You know, I'm listening to this bus. I'm looking for certain things to come in. I'm on this channel. Okay, great. Here's another another message, another message. I go respond to it. You know, and then how do we scale that up and down? You know, that's the other part that it gives us. Right. And and then I would assume, I'm kind of rushing you so we can get lunch before they put no it worries. in. But uh, I, I would assume, so you've got the Knative, so you got, uh, we got we got our dirt, we got our data center, <laughs> we got our servers. We're running, let's just, because we work here, let's say some VMware some stuff. VMware, that's, absolutely. That's being is. used to run your Kubernetes entrance. So you got entrance. You got PKS going there. And then you you uh, you installed your Knative thing. Now, on top of the Knative thing, you put the, 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 the like, pivotal functional thing. Yeah. Which, which is basically rewritten Riff, if, if yeah. I remember. Yeah, right. yeah. Riff is the open source. And then, and then so what that does is in Knative, there are probably some constructs as you went over, right? Here's your registry. Here's a venting. But, like, here is not exactly a Spring Boot handler, <laughs> right? And so what, what, uh, what Pivotal's, what's the Pivotal service? P- PFS. PFS. What PFS does is it basically knows how to talk to Knative and then says, like, all right, Spring Boot people, never mind about Knative, you talk to PFS. And in the same way that Spring wraps around Java and all sorts of other services, you just talk to the Spring thing. Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about all this K-Native business. Yeah, I mean, the moral of the story is in all these things, like how do we get you focused on the stuff that matters to you? Right. Yeah, and so that's really what, what the goal would be there is to, again, let you get back to that model of I need to write a little bit of code to solve this business so, problem. So, so, then, so then backing up a little bit, why? what would it look like if I didn't have a PFS? Like, does that even work? Like, would the development team have something to do, or would it just be like, sure. I don't know what to well, do but, with that? But then again, you're, you're much more exposed to those underlying layers. Like, what get, would you be using, like... Would you be calling directly? So you, if you built your container, would there be like OS level stuff that you call out to, or you you, you could? Uh, yeah. you, you could be writing. I mean, again, you would have to then be responsible for how do I interact with Knative? How do I use the Knative build system? You know, you, you're just you're closer to it. Because in theory, I guess so. You're in that. I mean, there's there's the secret is there's an operating system inside every container. So there's an operating system in the container. The container boots up. I forget what it is. It executes some command that's your magic, yep. right? It calls main and whatever you have. And then you would be responsible for saying, like, all right, I know I'm a Knative thing, which means I've been passed in this configuration of a, a IP address or a URL to go to. That is my Knative thing. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm alive. And then the Knative thing is like, you're part of this Knative community. Here's all your information. And then however you wrote that, all it knows how to do is HTTP, yep. or, unless there's some other magic stuff going on, networking. And so so then whatever your program explicit. is has to know how to call out to that Knative thing, how to, res- how, to, how to interpret whatever payload came back. And then you also have to implement, now there's these five other methods that I call on Knative out, off through a, a network connection that does stuff. And then one of them will be, I say, I need a database, I need a handle to a database or something, hand that back to me. And so instead of having to invent that whole mechanism inside your container of how to talk to the Knative world, basically something like PFS is like, 
we do all we we have a way of doing that, and then we add this thin veneer of PFS that uh, expresses all of that in a yeah. Spring Boot friendly way. Well, I'd say the other part of this that's so important is we all realize that your application isn't just a set of functions. Your application isn't just uh, something you shove in mm. a, Dover, a Docker container. Right, right, it's right, all right. of these things. It's all the day two stuff, as we would exactly say. knowing and, how to scale up and scale down. Right, and realizing and that today's problem dead things is best solved in this way. Tomorrow's problems are best solved using that way. But we still got to talk to each other. Yeah, how do we yeah, yeah, yeah. do that in a way that's consistent across all of that, so people aren't learning seven or eight different abstraction layers yeah. trying to figure out how do I make this all talk to each other? How do I make it all work? Right. It's like, well, let's give you a consistent experience. And give you a runtime that can handle all of those things, yeah. As opposed to having to manage three or four or five different runtimes, and oh, guess what? It's just like our instance we talked about at the beginning of it's it's a ticket from one airline, but it turns out it's actually three separate airlines that can't talk to one another. Yeah, you know, I had I, and, and then I'll wrap up here. I had a weird, the weirdest, what do they call it, cross code share thing recently. Yeah, is I booked on China Eastern, okay, which was actually. Korea Air. Oh yeah, and then I got KLM credit because I used my right. KLM thing. But the, right. the, the the weirdness was that All China Sky Team. I well, no, no, maybe it wasn't Chinese. Eastern. there was one that was not Sky Team. Okay, the first the some Chinese airline was not Sky Team, but they code shared to this other one, so I could kind of like launder a non Sky Team. Nice, which, which was like I back to you know having a programming background. I was like, wow, that's. That's a crazy thing. I don't know how someone let that in. Right, right. <laughs> Somebody shouldn't have, probably. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to you. But uh, so anyway, loopholes. The we we should have a part two, maybe next year, as Absolutely. a cliffhanger for this this season of pivotal conversations. Uh, but so this is a good explanation of K native. Now, 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 I want to pull back to a broad scheme of things. So, in the serverless world, it started off of just like lambda or lambda, or however I want to mispronounce it. We've got functions. Got functions. We've got functions in the sky. Functions as a service. And then, and then somehow, and maybe this is all in my head. I think serverless kind of started to mean like all of how we would do programming in a cloud native world. But what you've talked about has basically brought it down to more or less like erratically called. Uh, short-lived functions that just yep. get called instead of basically like serverless as everything. Right. Right. And so is that like, would you say how you have characterized it is, is the way people think about serverless or, or do you use the word function a lot? Cause you're like serverless is meaningless. So I no. want to be very clear that I'm talking about functions. Some people definitely use the terms interchangeably yeah. for right or wrong. Some people would say functions are a subset of serverless, which is right, probably which is more accurate. But what does that even mean? So you could potentially run other types of workloads in a quote-unquote serverless environment. You yeah. know, I think serverless has almost started to become abused, and almost everybody has their own sort of flavor of what it means, and, and we've probably used it in, in too many ways at this point. And then, and then it's also not, it doesn't purely have to be an event-driven architecture. Where, you, where It doesn't have to only be event-driven. Correct. You could have... Um, Pardon my old fogey terms. You could have like those blocking calls, right? Like, there's no need to. It doesn't have to be asynchronous. Some things have to be synchronous. Right, 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 right. right. Okay, so so maybe that was also the original confusion, at least for me, is like at some point I think serverless meant only an event-driven thing, right? That you would 
tell something to execute and it might send an event when it's done so you've got to listen to that event sure but nowadays functional stuff can mean like it doesn't it doesn't have to be it can be synchronous or asynchronous it can be all sorts of stuff right. depending right. on what you need to do right I mean I think it's generally going to be asynchronous that's that's probably the most right right outcome. well that's a whole other discussion it is isn't the it kids though? like that that's right alright great CQRS well we're going to go eat some lunch before because the, have you idea. noticed that the catering people here they're just like they're boom just, they're, they're on, on time they're, like, they're done they pull yeah. it out they said stop lunch at and they're they're yeah. gone it's crazy well uh, where, where should pe- people follow you if they want to learn more well you, you can follow me on twitter uh-huh. n-t-s-c-h-u-t-t-a can I spell my name I don't know It's it's been a long it's been yeah. a long month and a half I, I, don't, I don't I, it's probably not uh, uh, confusing to long term li- long time listeners it's I screw up my own name do like, you if you think about how Michael is spelled it's yes. very very weird there word. are there are, yeah uh, right like but, the A and the E and the L right. and the C-H basically all except the M-I after the M-I, M-I and then after that it's like a jumble of letters I guess because it's like French right but and I know so, how to spell your last name oh yeah well that's easy I got that one nailed yeah, I've known yeah, that for a long time Cote yeah I should look up the origin not the like cultural but the, the spelling origin of Michael because right. it is a strange strange because there are different ways of doing it yeah 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 yeah. Oh, you, you can follow me on Twitter you can also go to my website to see where I'm going to be at you know uh, there's going to be a lot of events in 2019 I know that for a fact you know, I've already looked at my tab and starting in like I guess it's the middle of February I'm off the road for about six weeks that's right trying to heal up I got I got to get a I got to get a new hip next year so oh good I'm, I'm going to be bionic the You'll next be- time the next time I see you in person, Cote, I will be bionic. You'll officially be a hipster program. I'll be a hipster, yes. <laughs> Not a ninja anymore, but I'll be a hipster. <laughs> That's right. Well, as always, this has been Pivotal Conversations. Thanks for listening. Now, I think uh, by the time you hear this, we probably will have merged together the Pivotal Insights and Pivotal Conversations podcast. Now, if you're shocked that you're hearing double the good content, lots of... Uh, things about how Pivotal customers, what they've been up to and things like that. That's from the old Pivotal Insights. And then if you're hearing about customers and you're like, why am I hearing all this nerd stuff? Then that's because we've merged the two podcasts together. Uh, like a bionic twin matrix? Sure, like I don't know. Uh, so with that, uh, you know, we'll see you in 2019. Bye-bye. Cheers.